Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and I just want to let you know about my gut healing bundle for those with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. This includes SMT Probio, which is a probiotic with 18 well-researched strains, Enzymes Plus, which not only includes digestive enzymes, but betaine, HCL, and ox bile, and SMT GI Restore, which is a stevia-free formulation that has multiple nutrients and herbs that have been proven to help support the healing of the gut. To learn more about this, you can visit guthealingbundle.com. There are many different medications that can have a negative effect on a gut microbiome, including antibiotics and proton pump inhibitors. In this episode, I'll discuss the impact of both methimazole and PTU on the intestinal barrier and the gut flora. And so let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, visit SaveMyThyroid.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now let's head to the show. Welcome back to the Save My Thyroid podcast. This is Dr. Eric Osansky, and in this episode, I'm going to discuss the impact of the antithyroid medications methimazole and PTU on the gut microbiome. So I'd like to start out by discussing what intestinal dysbiosis is. So dysbiosis is simply an imbalance of the gut flora. Taking oral antibiotics for infection will not only kill the harmful bacteria of the gut, but it will also have a negative effect on some of the beneficial bacteria. So this is an example of how someone might get intestinal dysbiosis. However, some natural agents can also affect some of the good bacteria. So just something to keep in mind. That's not what the focus of this episode is, but it's not just antibiotics and other types of medications, but some natural agents. So an example is oregano oil, which sometimes I use oregano oil, but it could also be a little bit harsh on some of the the good bacteria. So as far as the drugs, certain drugs that can disrupt the gut microbiome, we all know antibiotics, the impact antibiotics has on the gut microbiome. And once again, there is a time and place, of course, for antibiotics, but they are definitely overused and abused. Proton pump inhibitors or PPIs, also known as acid blockers, they also can have a negative effect on the gut microbiome. Metformin also has a negative effect on the, on the gut microbiome, which a number of years ago I did not know this. So, there, and not that I prescribe metformin, but if someone has a case of insulin resistance that's not responding to natural methods, there would, in the past, I, I might have mentioned metformin. And There's still a time and place for metformin, but I would definitely be a little bit more cautious. And as I mentioned, I can't prescribe it anyway. Certain antipsychotics can also disrupt that gut microbiome. And then, of course, antithyroid medication, which is the purpose of this episode, specifically methimazole and PTU. And those are the main types of antithyroid medication. Carbimazole is another type that's prescribed in some other countries, and carbimazole converts into methimazole. And I'm guessing that probably has the same effect, but but there's no research that I've seen up until this point, which shows specifically that carbimazole disrupts the gut microbiome. But once again, I would assume it has similar effects. So when should these drugs be taken? As you know, everything comes down to risk versus benefits. If you have a severe bacterial infection, then taking an antibiotic probably is necessary. 
And there's a time and place for these other types of medications that I just mentioned as well. So how do antithyroid medications affect the gut? So the research showed that intestinal barrier structure and function were destroyed. And again, this is with both methimazole and PTU. It also showed that the fecal and serum lipopolysaccharide levels in both the clinical and animal antithyroid drug groups were higher than those in the control group. And the increase in lipopolysaccharides, also known as LPS, so the increase in LPS content was correlated with the change in blood indicators. And I'll talk a little bit more about lipopolysaccharides shortly. Actually, let's talk about lipopolysaccharides now. So these are large molecules and they are found in gram-negative bacteria and multiple studies show that they can cause a leaky gut. And then you have short-chain fatty acid-producing microbiotic constituents, certain ones like lactobacillus, which is commonly found in probiotics, but that's an important part of your gut flora. So these and some other microbiota constituents that produce short-chain fatty acids actually decreased after taking antithyroid medication. And when it comes to short-chain fatty acids, butyrate is the most important one, the most important short-chain fatty acid. And it's been shown to increase regulatory T cells, which keep autoimmunity in check, while decreasing Th17 cells, which promote autoimmunity. So you might just want me to get to the point and and tell you should antithyroid medications be avoided since they can cause dysbiosis and disrupt the gut barrier. So just a reminder, everything does come down to risk versus benefits. And while, of course, you want to do everything you can to preserve the health of the gut, we also need to keep in mind it's important to safely manage the hyperthyroid symptoms. That being said, there are other options. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to take antithyroid medication. Some of you listening might or might know that when I dealt with Graves' disease, I did not take antithyroid medication. Now, a lot of my patients do, so I'm definitely not against people taking it. Again, risk versus benefits. But I took the herb bugleweed, which I discussed in an earlier episode. And another one, another natural agent with antithyroid properties is L-carnitine, which I personally did not take when I dealt with Graves' disease. Some of, some of my patients do take that but I do recommend bugleweed more commonly. And again, that's what I took. So should you stop taking antithyroid medication? So I can't tell anybody to stop or to even start taking antithyroid medications. That's really up to the prescribing medical doctor. I would just say to be cautious. You you don't want to have unmanaged hyperthyroidism. So I was taking a risk when I took bugleweed. Thankfully, it worked. If it didn't work, I would have considered taking an antithyroid medication because, as I've mentioned multiple times, there are risks to unmanaged hyperthyroidism as well. So another question you might have is whether or not the gut can be healed after stopping antithyroid medication. So if someone starts antibiotics and then they stop taking them, it is possible to heal the gut, which is a real good thing because a lot of people take antibiotics. Most people have taken antibiotics at some point in their life. And I definitely had my share of antibiotics when I was younger. So if someone takes one or multiple rounds of antibiotics and then they stop taking them, yes, the gut over time should heal. And so the same should be true with antithyroid medication. While you're taking antithyroid medication, it, it, it will have its effects on the gut. But then once you stop taking antithyroid medication, the gut should heal. So another question, is it possible to get into remission while continuing to take antithyroid medication? 
So over the years, I've had many patients take antithyroid medication. Again, methimazole, some people PTU, uh, and I mentioned earlier carbimazole. So, but either way, I've had many patients take antithyroid medication while addressing a cause of a problem. And many of these people eventually got into remission. And for those people who don't get into remission, it is possible that taking the antithyroid medication might have been the reason for this. So this is something to consider if someone continues to take antithyroid medication to manage the symptoms and they're not getting into remission, it could be because the gut isn't completely healed. And especially for those with Graves' disease, healthy gut is important for a healthy immune system. And it's a bit of a catch-22 situation as those with hyperthyroidism want to be safe while addressing a cause of their condition, but it might be more challenging for some people to get into remission while still on antithyroid medication. And this is especially true when taking higher doses. There's really no research that I'm aware of that talks about the different dosing, but if someone's taking 40 milligrams of methimazole, that's probably going to have a greater impact on the gut microbiome than someone who's taking only 5 to 10 milligrams of methimazole. I want to briefly discuss some alternatives to antithyroid medication. I, I mentioned that in episodes number two and three, I do go into greater detail, but I do want to briefly mention here, there's bugleweed, L-carnitine. Now L-carnitine, the research shows higher doses are necessary to have antithyroid properties. Research shows between 2,000 and 4,000 milligrams per day. Lithium, potassium iodide in higher doses also can have antithyroid properties. Very controversial though. So again, I'm not recommending for anybody to take potassium iodide. Really taking any of these, I would say to ideally work with a healthcare practitioner, probably a natural healthcare practitioner, because if you go to an endocrinologist, they're not gonna recommend any of these. But especially if you're looking into something like potassium iodine, then you definitely want to consult with a natural healthcare practitioner. And then LDN or low-dose naltrexone, and this modulates the immune system. And when it works, it could work really well, but it, but it is more hit or miss. And then cholestyramine, which typically isn't recommended for hyperthyroidism, but there are some research studies which show that it has antithyroid properties, or really, I, I shouldn't say antithyroid properties, not the same as like methimazole or PTU or, or even bugleweed, it actually binds to thyroid hormone. It's a binder. And I have had a couple of patients take it. So a very small sample size, but I've had a few patients take it and I've seen it work. So it is something to consider taking if you don't want to take antithyroid medication and let's say the bugleweed doesn't work or if you maybe you're willing to take antithyroid medication, but it just uh, causes side effects uh, besides the uh, the impact of the gut microbiome, it causes other side effects. But once again, refer to episodes number two and three for more information. So now I just would like to go ahead and summarize what I've discussed so far in this episode. So once again, certain drugs disrupt the gut microbiome, and this includes not only antibiotics and proton pump inhibitors, but unfortunately, antithyroid medication, methimazole and PTU. And the research shows that antithyroid medications specifically destroy the intestinal barrier and again can cause a leaky gut. And so antithyroid medication also decreases short-chain fatty acids. And this is important to help prevent autoimmunity, to help keep autoimmunity in check. With that being said, there is a time and place for antithyroid medication. So by no means did I put this episode together to discourage people from taking antithyroid medication. There is a time and place for antithyroid medication. 
Everything comes down to risk versus benefits. But that being said, there are alternatives to methimazole and PTU. And I mentioned bugleweed. I mentioned L-carnitine. I mentioned low-dose naltrexone. I mentioned cholestyramine. Once again, refer back to episodes number two and number three for more information on the different alternatives. Well, I think that's a wrap on this presentation. Just remember that while antithyroid medication can have a negative impact on the gut microbiome, there is a time and place for taking methimazole and sometimes even PTU. That being said, I hope you found this information to be valuable and I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And if you'd like to connect with others with hyperthyroidism who are also trying to save their thyroid, you can join Dr. Eric's hyperthyroid healing community at hyperthyroidgroup.com. When I was younger, I took a lot of antibiotics. And it wouldn't be surprising if this played a role in the development of my Graves' disease condition. The truth is that it is very challenging to maintain a healthy gut microbiome in this day and age. And even if you don't take any medications, there are environmental toxins that can have a negative effect on the gut. As a result, doing things to reduce your toxic load can play a big role in improving your gut microbiome health. Since being in a remission, I've worked hard to reduce my toxic load, although I realize I can always do a better job in this area. And the same thing probably applies to you as well. And in case if you're wondering, I do plan on discussing strategies to reduce your toxic load in a future episode. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.